I'm gonna wait for you know, the full time. <laughs> and hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stronghold Podcast. David, episode 69. 69. You actually. Nice. You, you insisted a little too hard on this being episode 69. I was a little confused at first. Yeah. Well, you made a really big point that it had to be episode 69 that you came on the podcast. Well, I saw you were close. So, <laughs> so uh, David Wee, everybody, black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You're judo black belt as well, too, yeah, right? Yeah, I got that first. Oh, you it's, did? Easy, it's easier to get that. Is it? Yeah. How many years did it take you? Uh, oh, well, okay, technically longer because I did judo as a kid, stopped, and then... But, like, when I decided I wanted to do it, like, it was... I got it in the UK, and you just have to go in beat some people at a grading day what's a typical like a progression from white to black like let's say you start as a as a, a young adult or like maybe a late teen or something like that like time wise I assuming that like a regular training schedule like you might do for BJJ uh look it's definitely not 10 years I know I know people who for whom it's taken that sort of time um but I, yeah I think if the way I graded in the UK you should be able to do it in about five years Okay, so it's about half the time is yeah. BJJ. Yeah. Yeah, BJJ takes forever. Yeah, I know. How long did it take you to go from white to black in jiu-jitsu? Uh, oh, we're going to have to pause this. Immediately. Immediately, everybody, our alcohol <coughs> has arrived. As you can see by the joy on my face, I have to go collect it, and we will be right back, and I will edit this shit out. Be right back. Time to go. Hello, everybody. We are back to the Stronghold Podcast. Sorry, we I had to stop and go get beer. This was a, yeah. an emergency because... Uh, Jake was like, this is episode 69, Luke. You didn't have beer. Are you an idiot? And I was like, yeah, that's so stupid. I was expecting beer, cigars, like <laughs> costumes, everything. I used to. Uh, okay, I don't have any, so. <laughs> but next time. Once you said you, you didn't want to drink, I was Well, like, episode oh, okay. 420 can be in Cuba. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, dude, so I was asking you, uh, when, how long did it take you to get your black belt? Like, when did you start training jiu-jitsu? You started uh, here? Or? Yeah, it's a long time ago, man. I, I started uh, September 2008. Uh, and I got my black belt uh, March 2021, so n- nearly 13 years, pretty much. Did uh, you have a long period of time where you, you stopped training? I had a long period of time where I was at uni and I cared more about partying than, than training. I was, I was telling Jake, actually, like, um, when I was at university, I, I was very, uh, I was with, like, wasn't close, but it was driving distance to uh, Braulio Estima's school, and basically never went. Um, which you had other interests, let's say, at the time. Yeah, of course, yeah. as you do. You know, um, and uh, and I didn't train much when I was in college either. I mean, I, at that point in your life, you're, you know, especially when how did you just moved out? Was that the first time you'd like left your parents' place? Yeah, and well, that's I did a common. lot of judo at university though because that was, it was like on campus, um, and so so the jujitsu side suffered, but I guess the judo part didn't. But at least you got some takedowns out of it, man. Uh, I mean, yeah. I know you're not a dirty guard puller, so that's why you're that's why you're welcome in my house. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I want to shout out Ben. Is this a, is this a dirty guard, <clears throat> guard puller? Yes. Ben, sort your shit out, Ben. Yeah. Nobody likes a guard puller, okay? <laughs> my wife does. <laughs> <laughs> so it took you, yeah. It took. That's pretty. Actually, we started around the same time. I started in two thousand and six, I think, around yeah. two thousand and six. But I'd wrestled for a few years before that. And then when I took somebody down and then they would choke me with their legs while I was on top of them, I was like, hold on a second. I have to learn this shit. Like, yeah. I just thought being on top was winning. Right? Yeah, same. Like, I remember the... Uh, what was like, your first, like, oh shit moment in jiu-jitsu where you're like, oh, what the fuck just happened? Like, I have to know this. Right? So, as I said, I did, I did judo a lot. As a, I did it, like, for five years as a kid. 
Um, so I, I, I showed up to, I actually showed up to my old judo school and they had, uh, they had jujitsu there. Uh, and I rolled with uh, Sul, uh, Mohamed Sulaiman. Uh, he was my first role. He was a purple belt at the time. And oh, I just met him actually because I did uh, the judging for one. Yeah, he was that like super nice. He showed me everything, took uh, me around. He was like the sort of dude that just held yeah. my hand and walked me around. He's like, "This is here, <laughs> and this is here," and I was like, "Oh, you're so nice." Yeah, no, he's, he's he's someone who I, under no circumstances, want oh, having a hold of me. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a black belt, right? He's so good. Really um, interesting. He's one of the most talented people out of Singapore. I'd, Oh, I want to roll with him. I want to. I want to roll with him now. <laughs> so, yeah, no, he was. He was my first roll, and oh. I. And I. So I thought, like, I've got childhood judo. I can just hold this man in like. Cause you have groundwork in judo. It's like I'll just hold this man in scuffle, and he puts me like. His, I'm just like, but I'm between his legs. So what can I do here? Yeah. And then he's just sort of like playing around, like sort of break dancing in my mind, and I was like, okay, cool. Um, I'm sold. Yeah, I need you know, to like, learn this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's way smaller than you. Yeah, I mean, I was a. I was a kid at the Younger time, than. Like, mm. Who gave him his black belt? Lecky. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't, did not know that. I, th- I knew he was a black belt when I met him, but I didn't know who gave it to him. Yeah. He, he I mean, he probably got it late. Like, if we're on, like, he... When did he get it, do you know? His black belt? <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the podcast, that would be awesome, too. Yeah, to, uh, I think, between 2015 and 2017. Oh, so he's one of the first... He's, Sing- he's Singaporean, right? Yeah. So he's one of the first Singaporean black belt. Like that first generation. Yeah, I think there was... Uh, There's now about 10 or 15, I think, black yeah. belt Singaporean. I was trying to work out what Singapore. number I was, and then I was like, oh, okay, it's too high. But something like that, right? Yeah. What, what would you guess if you had to guess how many uh, Singapore-born black belts uh, I here? I'd say under 20. That sounds right. Yeah, that, that yeah. sounds about right. Over the last five years, though, it, it, yeah, it's, it's like just it's, gone up exponentially. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's yeah, under twenty, and I think it'll it'll start growing again. I think uh, a lot of people, like COVID's held a lot of people back. Yeah, for sure. Even the gym now, like my gym now, is starting to get busier. Yeah. There's competitions in JB and KL yeah. and Bangkok, and people want to go do that. And there's fights again, and yeah. so gonna, you can feel the general energy level in Singapore is just starting yeah, to exactly. get nice again. Yeah, we were saying on the last podcast, like, oh yeah, Singapore is actually fun again. Yeah, no, I uh, I walked through a mall entrance that was locked for two years and I was like yes yeah bliss no masks on outside <laughs> yeah once they get the masks off indoors then things yeah. are finally going to get nice again <laughs> what was it like man I want to ask you because uh, you will have started training in Singapore before it was kind of cool right and like before the scene had exploded yeah I was a weirdo <laughs> like back then, like oh, um, wh- white belt David was weird as fuck that's what, that's what it was right yeah <laughs> so white, through, white through black belt oh shit I <laughs> um yeah, before then, so I actually, I, I've worked out, like, uh, I started training uh, just before Evolve opened, so it was really, it was definitely not cool, because, like, 18 people knew what Jiu-Jitsu was, basically. Yeah. Um, before Evolve in one here in Singapore, there was almost nothing, right? Yeah, so there were, there were like, two schools, so there was Jason with BJJ Singapore, yep. and then there was where I trained, which was Creation, which was uh, run by Con, or started by Con. Um, and I like it was but it was like at my old judo club so I like I was fairly familiar like with the with the place like I'd stopped training judo for five years and I came back Um, but it it was quite cool so it it was when I was in the army so I was I didn't have the option like I didn't have the time to train enough or as much as I would have liked but at the same time like there weren't classes yeah, there were like there weren't that number of classes that like, you know, uh, there was 
Monday night was MMA. Tuesday night was like beginners jujitsu, which started after like I'd started. Wednesday no gi, and then Saturday. Saturday was like gi class. Um, and so like in my first class as well, a uh, couple of people got promoted. So I thought, like, well, this must happen every week. Yeah. <laughs> like, like... And uh, six months later, you're like, where the hell was my first stripe? <laughs> yeah. Can I have my piece of white tape, please? Yeah. Who do I got to impress around here? <laughs> yeah, no, like, it was, it was quite cool. Uh, it was a good... Like, it, it, like, it in, introduced me to, like, the idea of a jiu-jitsu grading as well. Now, like, now when I grade people, I, I want it to be as theatrical as possible. Yeah, Because the, the way they did this one was... Uh, was it uh, sticks in your mind, right? When you see the first was, promotion. Uh, I know Scott Calver got his purple belt that day. Which was like again purple belt in two thousand eight in Singapore. He was, yeah, he was like yeah, a god. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and I think it was a guy called Joe getting his blue belt. Uh, and what what our coach did is he blindfolded both of them and it was like, well, you know, guys in competition, you need to be able to listen to your coach's <laughs> oh, voice. Oh, this is some old school shit. <laughs> like this is some old you need school. You need to be able to listen to your training. coach's voice and, and do. It. <laughs> so I'm gonna corner you, Scott, and then someone else is gonna corner Joe. And, uh, you saw this on your first day. This is my first day. <laughs> and and so then they, they were like, okay, so we're going to take off your belts and you're going to need to crawl like, and be directed to find your belt. Once you find your belt, you put it on and then uh, and then, you can, then you can fight and find your other guy. And Scott got his on first. But they, they, they both managed to get their belts on before like they, and then they you know, looked lost on the mat trying to find each other. Yeah. And then they fought each other and then it's like, <laughs> okay, guys, well done. Uh, look down. And then they've tied on like purple and blue belt oh like, wow respectively that is very theatrical that is I've, <laughs> that is I've never seen that theatrical promotion. I know so like I've, I've I need to up my game I feel like <laughs> yeah I've, I've yet to like I've yet well, to up up the up yeah you need, we need to do that we need the, to do that we need to be trendsetters yeah. What's a more theatrical way to give somebody a belt than by blindfolding them, having them crawl around, tie on a belt, spar, <laughs> then take the blindfolds off? Oh my god, it's my new belt! With, but the, this is how every belt happened. It was, was like the after that, every belt happened. It was it was basically like nine people would jump on this guy, and then, <laughs> and then the black belt would tie his new belt around him, and then we were happy. It was like, oh, that's cool. What's your move? What's your uh, promotion move? Like, um, how, how do you do it? Where are you going to give somebody a belt? Uh, the thing is... Every is coach now, does it differently. Yeah. Uh, the last one I did, I uh, I put. A, I had a thing with, with my... Well, I still have a thing where I... I don't believe in stripes, but I give them out and I... And I but I tell them specifically, like, I give these out for making me laugh. So in our, in our, like, in our group chat, I'm like, okay, cool. There is a meme of the month and whoever puts out the best meme and makes me laugh the most will get... We'll get a stripe at the end of the month. So you know, based on the skill of their jujitsu, clearly. Yeah, that's why. You... That's, <laughs> that's it's about as you know, uh, about as relevant as stripes are for jujitsu skill anyway. Um, so some some dude who he'd actually he had made me laugh like quite a lot the other day. So I was like, okay, cool. So I I gave him. I was like, you've you've got the meme of the month stripe. So I gave I bring him out. I'd make a big speech and tie a stripe around his belt. And then, uh, and then I got Chance, who was there as well, who, who's like, we were like, oh, that, that looks terrible, doesn't it? And put Chance pulls out the blue belt and we're like, yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, so there's um, a little misdirection. Yeah, the other one we did was, uh, we had like husband and wife. The wife was a blue belt, the husband was a white belt. Uh, so we gave, we gave Brian his blue belt. And we're like, okay, cool. So how does it feel to be the same grade as your wife? <laughs> and he was like, well, it feels quite good. It's like, well, remember this because it's going to last 10 seconds. <laughs> nice. Gave Kim the purple. 
but yeah, no, if, uh, any theatrical ideas, we're, I'm, I'm very open to them. Yeah, no, no, that's, it's good. No, that's the, that sounds like a fun vibe. Yeah. You know, with the jiu-jitsu gyms, so is, I don't know how it was when you started, but like from an American context sport, especially when you're like a teenager or in your 20s, it's just so much more like machismo and people in there beating each other up and, and shit like that. And I just never understood, I didn't understand what it was like until I moved here to Asia and started training with like the Thais. And, yeah. and, and some of the Brazilians got it too. Some of the Brazilians also just rip your fucking head off. <laughs> depends on their mood and depends on who it is, right? But when I started training with the Thais, they're very playful and they make loud, oh wee, they make loud poking and they're fun and they're playing with you. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize training could be fun. I thought it was just, I thought it was just supposed to kill me and I was supposed to leave and then want to come back here, right? But then somewhere over the last 10 years, I feel like the jiu-jitsu culture changed. It used to be way more bro-ish and way more like, you know, the white belt comes in and then the blue belts are going to fuck them up and or, you know, this kind of culture, you know yeah. what I'm talking about, right? But it feels like over the last 10, 15 years, maybe 10 years, I would say of jiu-jitsu that there's generally just a much more like, you need to make people want to be here yeah. type vibe. It has to be fun. And it used to be like you had to earn your keep. You had to like do the gauntlet and have 10 people go in a row in here. You had to spar with everybody in the room and have them, have them beat the shit out of you when you get a new belt with a fucking belt, right? There was always just this culture of like low-key abuse, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> they used to give you the cauliflower ear. The Brazilians would rub their geese on your ears to make, give you cauliflower ear. And this kind of stuff transcended even to like American jiu-jitsu culture. But over the last like 10 years, it feels like it's getting way more just professional, way more mm. fun, way less like when I was growing up you couldn't sit out around like the idea of sitting out around was like blasphemy and your coach would uh, disown you if they saw like you're just supposed to roll when you're tired you're supposed to like now like, if you're just tired just sit down chill out for a minute come back it's fine right rest when you're dead come on man <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> this person literally dying on the mat uh, yeah, but what do you think? So, Have you observed that? What was it like in Singapore before, like in the old days? Uh, I, I, it was always, like, I always thought it was really very chilled out. And I thought, like, um, so like, like I said, I did judo while I was a kid. And, and in judo as a kid, you line up and you bow on Japanese commands. And then, so, I, and then I went to this jiu-jitsu class and everyone's just, like, sitting around, stretching, before, <laughs> like... I wasn't stretching. I still don't warm up, but um, yeah, you, you, you know, just doing nothing, and then the end of class is like, okay, that's it, guys, and then you just sat against the wall and talk shit for another half an hour. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, and then like the, look, you don't like if you if you need. I, I feel like if you need the, you know, to be whipped by a belt to feel tough. Do you do that? No. Do, you, do you do the gauntlet? Uh, no, I, I I was whipped for none of my belts. You weren't you weren't whipped I've either. Never, I've never been whipped. Yeah, it's the people that got um, whipped that want to do it. Obviously. Yeah. Right. I got whipped, but I was like, guys, you don't have. I tell people they have the choice. Some people like it. Some people are like that. Yeah. They like a little punishment. They're probably into some weird stuff in their personal lives. Is that you know what I mean? They like. <laughs> so for those people, I'm like, I'll indulge you if you like it, if you want it, but like, don't feel pressured to like have oh nervous about like I remember people being nervous and scared about it, and yeah. then. If the people, there's always the freaks that are into it, and they're like, oh, yeah, hit me as hard. You know, you get a few of those. Oh, but exactly. then you'd look, and you'd see someone that was just, like, kind of cowering in the back. And I'm like, why would you go through this ritual? You should yeah. not have to. It's so stupid. It's the crazy, yeah. the crazy guys. You know you're going to get whipped. But if you've got a gi on, you're like, mm, fuck, it's, like, it's not going to be that bad. The gi's going to take most of it. 
Or the people who take the geese off to yep. prove how hard they are, like, you And there's always this asshole, Ron is this asshole, by the way. <laughs> there's always this asshole who will tie a knot in the fucking belt. Oh, Ron. And I'm just oh. like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why, why do you feel the need to do this? And then, of course, when Ron got his purple belt, when uh, we gave him his purple belt, he literally does what Ron does, takes his shirt off, walks through <laughs> slow motion, eyes, <laughs> never makes a fucking face the whole time, right? <laughs> Took it like a man. Eye contact, eye contact with every swing. Go on. <clears throat> Ron's like um, my favorite psycho. He's my favorite psycho human. But yeah, like I said, like I think if you if you need to, you know, be whipped or or you know go through like some ridiculous stuff uh, to feel tough or to feel like you're getting tougher from doing jujitsu, then the, the roles you're having probably aren't good enough. Yeah, like for sure. You know, because that's where like that's where I feel like I got tougher. Like, and I, it it definitely made me tougher. I can you know I can pinpoint times when I was eighteen. I was like, well, I'm like pure cowardice, and then like now I. You know, yeah, exactly like exactly that. Like I've gone through twelve years of just getting beaten up in an organized and fun controlled manner. Yeah, controlled manner. Yeah, you know what drives me crazy are those those fucking can't you can't teach heart bullshit hyperfly people. That shit drives me crazy. Every time I see one of those, I don't want to shoot that person, I wanna shoot myself in the head. I'm like, who doesn't who who says you can't increase your heart or your toughness yeah. or your overall? That is the biggest lie in like just little little ad line. Hyperfly, hook me up, sponsor me. But your, your tagline <laughs> yeah. is bullshit. I used to be so like meek and just yeah. quiet in everything, like shy, and I used to think I was a pussy, like a bitch. I remember one time when I was a brown belt. Uh, Marcelo, you, you you remember Marcelo? Yeah. I know. So I go and roll with him in. It, it's a low. Oh, you did. Yeah. Oh. We're, we're old in the scene. I'm starting to forget all yeah. these matches and stuff. But anyway, so I was rolling with Marcelo and Italo and Bruno and all those guys. And then had a tough roll with, uh, with Marcelo. And then I literally remember him like having a conversation and him being like, man, you're just such, you're so tough. You're such a tough role. And I was literally like, really? I literally had no perception of myself in their eyes as being a difficult role. Because yeah, yeah. I'm getting fucked up left and right, right? Yeah, exactly. by, by most of them. So then he said that, and it was genuine, and he wasn't... Tra- and I was like, oh, wow, I've actually... <clears throat> someone's saying that, and I was not like that before. Even in their, like, my relationship with them as a brown belt, I never thought that I was perceived as anything other than just the weakest coach on the team, right? Because yeah. I was the brown belt and everything. And I was like, this idea that you can't... People can get so much tougher, yeah. so much heart, like... Yeah, this idea that like there's a base level yeah. and you either have it or you don't is yeah. such nonsense. No, and like yeah, like you said, like I, I I used to think I was like I didn't I used to think I was like weak, like physically weak. Um and then uh like two things actually made me like change my perspective on that. One is like I saw a I saw a couple of people on Twitter like have a conversation about both of them fighting me. They both beat me, right? Um and they're both, I think I've fought them both in like an absolute division. So they were like, this is when, this is in the UK. So, and they were both way bigger than Is this judo? Uh, this was jujitsu, but oh. like the, the, uh, one of them I, I did, like I, I hit a big throw on and then uh, proceeded to lose like badly. But both of them were like, hey, that guy, uh, that guy on the podium with you, he was, uh, I fought him once. He was, uh, was he quite strong? And the, the guy was like, yeah, he was so fucking strong. I was like, oh, maybe I'm strong. Yeah, isn't it crazy? But, um, you never know if you're living yeah. your subjective world and then you don't perceive yourself as... Because you, of course, perceive as a human all of your faults. Yeah. 
those are always the first thing in but your mind. But it's also mind, it's like right? that's your that's your that's your standard. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's your standard. Like I feel I feel exactly the same in my body as I feel I felt like when I was like seven. Exactly. I yeah. Feel like I'm, so I might I might as well be the same size. You but, still have that mentality as yeah. an adult, right? Like, um, so yeah, like uh, you know. Maybe this, this is body dysmorphia or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody's just yeah. hyper aware of how they perceive their, their yeah. faults. And then so when somebody compliments you and it's genuine and there's somebody who opinion you're, you yeah. you respect, all of a sudden you're like, oh, you, you, it kind of gives you a little bit of a, maybe a pleasant view of yourself, especially like in our industry, right? If you're, yeah. if you're doing jujitsu, you get smashed so much, right? Yeah. You just get smashed years yeah. and years and years getting smashed. And then, so even though you're going up the ranks, you're still getting smashed throughout the process. So when a coach takes you to to the side or something like that, and actually compliments you, it's like it is a little bit of like, oh yeah, we've actually got somewhere here. Yeah. You need those moments, right? Yeah. You need, it gives you a little juice, gives you a little energy. Now, my old, uh, I remember once as well. Like I, uh, I was helping. I was at a like my university's judo competition, and so like a university when you start a sport that like. It, you're you're completely new to it and stuff, so you you know you get all sorts of people trying it. And this guy like came and tried. He went to his first competition. He had his first match and he lost. But he came off the mat and uh, he went up to my coach, who was really experienced, really awesome, awesome coach. And he was like, "Man, that guy felt so strong." And my coach was like, "Look, yeah, he probably did. But you know what? That guy thought you felt strong as well." Because and and I was like, oh, "That's probably true." Like and and then you know at that point it's like. After that, like, you you know when you've been, like, big-brothered. Yeah, for sure. Right? But you also know it's been a while since you've been, like, been big-brothered. And you're like, okay, cool. That guy was strong, but he thought I was strong too. Yeah. And then, you know, you you do occasionally what with the freak who is like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. just one of those guys. Yeah. Well, that's why you need coaches around because yeah. you only have a subjective view of yourself yeah. Right. When you have a good coach who's seen tons of people come through and people have different body types, different personalities, different work ethics, uh, and all of this kind of stuff. But when you have an experienced coach who's seen so many different things and they look at you and they actually assess your skills and where you're at and what you need to do and you stick with them for a long time, you, you have a much better sense of like what your progress is, how you're actually doing. Yeah. But but, you know. It just didn't used to be like that when I was training. Like it was so in the old days, it was so hard. It was so yeah. brutal. Like just to get even a little bit of something from the coaches was, especially those older guys, right? You get those coaches in when I was in high school in mid two thousands or whatever that were like in their fifties, mm. grew up in the fucking seventies or whatever. Like those guys were not like you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. <laughs> Keep going. Participation trophies for everybody. <laughs> Those motherfuckers that grew up in like the '60s and '70s were not handing out participation trophies, right? Yeah. It was really like, especially America still has a quite elitist sport culture. They are all about winning, right? Yeah. It really is. You feel that even at the high school level. Yeah. And uh, when I finally, as an adult, accepted like a martial arts lifestyle and decided I was going to change my job, it was because I realized, oh, this is like sustainable you can tr you can chill train yeah you can you can like i don't have to come in here and die every day yeah. you can create like a healthy environment for people to come in and you don't have to like rip your asshole trying to choke somebody every fighting to the death yeah. which is what it felt like when i first started especially wrestling because that was my first thing that i did was like amateur wrestling and that is so much more unpleasant than jujitsu like jujitsu is fun yeah. amateur wrestling is not fun it's a grind same with uh same with judo like i'm I've, I've uh, like, I mean, speaking about toughness and stuff, I've always thought, like, there's a, you can't, like, you'll definitely get tougher doing jujitsu, but 
there's like you don't have to get necessarily as tough uh, to be good at jujitsu, like because you because it's so much like so much more about technique. So knows. skill based. Yeah. Whereas like with wrestling and with judo, I think I think the other thing is uh, is the like having like physically having to stand back up. So right. when you like when you go to like a good judo randori and some you know some twenty two year old you know national squad player just throws you. 15 times in one round and you have to get up every time to fight again. Take another one. <laughs> yeah, but like mentally as well, like, you know, being like on the floor, like on your back, looking up and then getting up, that's mentally, that's a lot tougher for a, to fight than, you know, tapping to a triangle, literally sitting where you were when you got tapped to a triangle, slapping hands and going again. Yeah. Like that, that's like... That's a continuation, yeah. Pretty much, you don't have to like psych yourself up to, you know, for the inevitable, you know, killing again. I mean, for me, getting thrown or getting taken down is the most humiliating thing. I'll I'll, I'll tap to a rear naked choke to a guillotine all day. If you throw me on my head, I'm I'm walking out in shame. You know what I mean? I, I got no choice. So I think it's safe to say you're not starting many of your rolls on your uh, on your knees at the gym. Uh, no. Well, not assuming the not space both permits. On our knees. Yeah. Not both on our knees. Uh, you know, someone's got to be. Right. Filthy God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Episode sixty nine. Yeah. <laughs> um, how much? How much emphasis do you put on stand up? Uh, I'm I'm starting to do a lot more. The the the, the school I teach at the moment. Um, we don't have a we don't have the, a great um, number of classes. We get like one class a, in the evening, um, and so I think I think uh, I think the thing with stand up is you can't tap out to being thrown properly you have to learn to break fall properly yeah uh and i like and that's that's something i've definitely taken for granted like as a somebody who did martial arts as a kid is like if i look back and think of like what my judo classes were like it was like 20 percent games 30 percent break falls yeah yeah it's and like then a, you know a little bit more um and so, so like i've spent like 20 minutes every every class twice a week for three or four years as a kid Learning how to fall, um, which has definitely saved my life from my drinking days. But break falling is underrated. Yes, people don't understand how important um, break falling is. You know who doesn't do it at all? Just a slight tangent or Muay Thai people. Yeah. And and you can trip <laughs> left, right, and center. And these guys do not know how to fall. Yeah, I see. You've seen arms break, people yeah. reaching back and stuff. And this sport where you could literally just dump yeah. each other left and right. They do zero teaching you how to fall. Yeah, like, this is crazy. That's a really valuable human yeah. skill, especially as you're older. Is like knowing how to fall. But it, um, but like the the reason like grappling and jujitsu is is a is a good sport to like good martial art to do is because you can go f you can go f balls out and yeah. train you can train full whack uh, and the reason you can train full whack in jujitsu is because you tap out when your arms about to be broken uh, and and I think that break falling is the tapping out of being taken down because yeah. you get like you get thrown on your head like. That's serious. If you don't f fall properly, you, yeah. you get fucked. You can get knocked out yeah. easily with a throw if you don't fall right. Arms or, broken. Or you break your arm. Yeah. You, you know, uh, it's happened many times. You can break your legs. Like, if you, you know, a lot of people, they don't forward rolling break fall properly. And they, like, try and, like, when they do it in the warm-up, they just think, oh, I want to base up and, and stand up. Like, yeah. That's not the point. You're not trying to gain base out of being thrown. You're trying to avoid catastrophic Mitigate injury. damage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think remember Mark Coleman and Shogun Col yeah. Coleman took him down he sticks his arms out yeah arm just explodes yeah um, <laughs> I mean and so I, yeah I think uh, oh, Jake if you want they're, they're in the freezer if you want to run and grab your 
cam. We, we can keep going. We, which one of you wants the camera on him? Who wants the pressure? I'll uh, put it on David. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when, uh, so I, I think uh, stand up. Uh, you, in order to do it well, you need to dedicate like good time to break falls. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have to. And mm. uh, you know, at the same time though, it's a business, and you've got to keep people. And break falls are boring to learn. Yes. Um, do you do more upper body takedowns, judo style? So or I have. Do do, how much shooting are you doing? How much like? I've been trying to. I've been going through some like yeah more. This is the thing as a coach, right? You really have to think about how much time you you want yeah. to prioritize for any given thing, because really being a good coach, cheers, is about how do you prioritize the time to make the learning process the most efficient as possible. Yeah. Right. Anything that you do, you could be doing something else. Yeah, you can rip that up, man. Don't be, don't be shy with it. Yeah. So I've um I've been doing I've been teaching stand up like, like exclusively lately. But I'm not I'm trying to teach it in a way where I'm not focused on like taking someone down. I'm focusing on on grounding them. Yeah. Uh, not as in a parent punishing their child, but like <laughs> getting them from standing to the floor, uh, and and doing so. Uh, like for this for the students uh, safely for you like making sure you're not hurting your training partner mm. so I'm doing a lot of stuff where you we you, you know we're trying to you know go through arm drag get behind our opponent and force like force hands onto the mat and then then hooking a leg and forcing turtle and stuff um, because at the moment uh, like teaching teaching people to break fall is uh, we, I mean we don't currently have the time <coughs> yeah that's um, that's the thing you have to prioritize yeah. that's why do you have kids not at the moment. You got, uh, so well, let's talk a little bit about your. your, your so kid. I'm opening a school and we'll we'll be teaching kids. Now. You, I've, have I've kids. taught kids. Uh, I've taught kids a lot and I, like uh, you know uh, I currently I'm working at an international school so I'm I'm doing a, I do a lot of work with kids. Um, so you, yeah, there's three of us now. You, me, and Major, all former international school teachers, all black belts with schools in Singapore. Uh, not a teacher. I don't have that qualification. I, I coach. You were, I coach. Uh, oh, I thought like, you were a full time teacher. I coach like strength and conditioning in the. Oh, okay. I thought you were like a full time teacher. Then. Nah, man. Oh, okay. No. Oh, so okay. back down to you're two. You're still a teacher. No, no, no. You're still back to two. You're still. <laughs> don't lock me in with you. You technically work at as an international school too. Listen, yeah. yeah, you probably don't want to be in that group of uh, group of people anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, and with kids though, like you've, like, theoretically, it's not their choice to train. Yeah, like, you sell them to the parents. Yeah, you sell them to the parents. To a point. And, yeah, because the kids, if they don't have fun, the parents will pull them out, especially the Singaporean parents. Yeah, but you can, you can, like I said, like I when I trained, it was like twenty percent games to warm up. Yeah, twenty percent breakfalls, and so there's there's ways to do it with kids. You, for but, sure. You know, yeah. you can't play dodgeball with adults, sort of thing. Um, no, we actually that happened one time at our gym. <laughs> we, we, we literally yeah. played dodgeball. <laughs> Why can't we do that? That sounds wicked. And then the one time we were drinking on like a Friday at the gym, as we do pretty much every you play every, dodge can. No, no. Dodge traffic. And like this group of like eight students while we're sitting there drinking found the dodgeballs. And then the drunken impromptu dodgeball game happened at the gym. So it can still happen, is all I'm saying. Even adults will act like children under certain circumstances. If given an opportunity, not. Yeah. Given any opportunity, they'll do it. Um, So yeah. Have you done kids' classes before? Yeah, I have. Because they're a trip. Kids they are, are um, but kids are kids are funny, and you've te- like the other thing with kids is actually it it really it sharpens you the most. It does uh, because yeah. especially when you have a talented kid, because you have a talented kid, uh, you show them something, and they'll mimic it exactly, and then you'll be like, oh crap, that's what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, you just figured it out instantly yeah. by yourself. 
Yeah. So, um, well, uh, so yeah, it is, it is a trip, but you know, yeah, it's, with the kids, it's just so much about like managing, yeah, managing them more than anything, managing them in an efficient, professional way where they're having fun and also still yeah. you're tricking them into learning a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. The, you you got to find the right games, haven't you? That mimic exactly yeah. that, that mimic the thing, which is fun. The kids here like it, and the martial arts scene, especially for the young kids here, is so dynamic now. Yeah, because I mean, even my gym, I think we have 60, 70 kids. Yeah, something like that. And the thing with kids' programs, too, is they're a future investment in your business. You would be foolish not to have them if you were having any long-term plan. Competitive interest, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you get those kids become teenagers, and then once you have the kid from the age of 6 to about 16, and then all of a sudden they realize how good they are, and then the potential really will will come out, right? Yeah, but then... So I, I actually... I, I, I've, I've had conversations about this as well. Like I, I think the the... The problem with like having a kid who's like really good from age six to like age fourteen is that at fourteen you start being interested in girls. Yeah. Uh, and then, no, you gotta have the ones that stick through that. And then some yeah. of them will fall off the rails at that point. Yeah. And then they'll come back when they're like thirty two and like yeah. obese and it's like I could have been something. I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm ready for my blue belt coach. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they start getting interested in girls, partying, like yeah. uh, you know, being able to stick with it through that is is hard. So. It, yeah, this sounds like a personal uh, experience over there, David <laughs> Lee. It sounds like you're yeah. coming from personal. I, yeah, I stopped. I did judo from eight to thirteen, and then I was like, well, I don't want "Oh to do wait, women anymore. are a thing." Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, jujitsu sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and then proceed to be terrible with women for many years anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way that it goes. Um, but yeah, and, and you know, I like I think to myself like, what could have been? What it could have been like if I'd like stuck through it through through an extra five years. But I'm, I'm glad, like, the, the main thing is, is I did it. I think the main thing you want with kids is that you want them to do it when they go through puberty. Yeah. Like, when when they're going through puberty, that's when, like, the best, uh, the benefits of it really, really happen because, like, because it's a, a tough athletic endeavor you, you, and you go, th- like, when the hormones that, you know, make you grow are going through you and you're doing this thing that's tough and you're fighting someone every week. Um, your body's like, well, this is what we need to adapt to. This is, this is life. Um, and that's, I, and so I've like, I've never met people who did like martial arts through puberty that are like physically weak. Yeah. Like the, and, and you can sort of, you know, you, you know, and I did like university judo and I was like, oh, you're pretty good. You're for beginners. Like, oh yeah, no, I'm just starting again. I, I stopped when I was like 13. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. And then you see them like in the gym as well. I was like, oh, okay, you're, you're yeah. strong as hell. There's a level of like, of like neuroplasticity and muscle yeah. memory that <clears throat> you get when you're training with repetitions through that age that yeah. you can't really get the same way if you're an adult that didn't do it. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be like, it, it can be specific to a particular sport. But yeah. another thing is something like gymnastics that gives you a universal athleticism. People that are good gymnasts, that that level yeah. of athleticism can apply to any sport. Yeah. So you think I, I have these two kids that are gymnasts that, that train at Stronghold. This one kid was eight years old when I met him. He could do a he could do a handstand to a split, hold himself in a split, open his legs down all the way around, and then hold himself up with his legs splayed out and his hands in the middle. Yeah. Like eight years old, this kid. I don't care what sport you put him in; yeah. he will learn anything faster than anybody because that's universal yeah. athleticism, basic body strength, and so much control in every position with his body. It's control. Oh, it's literally control over your entire body. Yeah. And if you can control your body, 
You're not one of those awkward people who, like, you say, grab your right hand and use your right hand to grab their left hand. And they put up their left foot and they're like, you're like, no, 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 your, your hand. And they're like, this, you know, they're just literally like left hand. And they're like, oh, which one is like, you know what I mean? You get those kind of people. Yeah. And nothing wrong with that. No. But the people that have a really good base universal athleticism, that yeah. can be applied to anything. And yeah. something like, uh, I feel like gymnastics is the best for that. That yeah. seems to be, in my experience, the most. They're always strong. They learn quick. Like dancing as well. Dancing. That was the other one. Yeah. I was literally just thinking it. I did gymnastics because they know how to move their body. Was, you did. I was terrible. I was a terrible <laughs> gymnast. But like, but actually, then every other sport, like, I wasn't. I wasn't like some sort of super athlete, but I was like. But you picked it up reasonably. I picked quick. up. Picked up most things. Like, it's like yeah. oh yeah, I'm just. No, just move your leg like that. Right. Um, whereas, yeah, like you said, so you imagine like someone who can control their body really well, you know in a fight with someone who can barely control their body at all. Exactly. Like it's, it's not, you know. That's what I tell the parents when they come in and they ask what the classes are for. We have the young kids. We have like the four and a half years old to about the seven year, year old. That's our first kids class. And then we have the older class. And the older preteen teen class is basically like an adult class. Yeah. Right? You, you can run it mostly like that. Slight differences, but it's pretty much the same. But the, the young class, we do a lot more. It's just tumbling, really. It's it's tumbling. It's body weight exercising. Because yeah. what I care more about than learning yeah. the moves is learning the coordination. Like these yeah. kids have to have basic coordination that will train. Then they're going to be able to learn the stuff. So they still do takedowns and stand ups. And mostly the young kids for me are, is a wrestling class. Yeah. Because I'm not teaching the five year olds how to choke each other and shit. Right. I'm going to give them a few more well, years. And then I still do. I'll still, I'll, I'll still do it sometimes. Yo, my, you, my, choke my, them, my, you choke them personally. The, right? <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. But for the sparring classes, they're like, okay, you're on your feet, get up, get down, stand up. Yeah. Mostly stuff like that. And then a lot of sport specific, uh, uh, just exercises that teach them coordination. They yeah. still learn punches and kicks in the MMA class. They kick the back and they hit the pads and stuff. And then yeah. the BJJ class, they're doing bear crawls and sit-throughs sit and drop steps and hip escapes and, mm. ju- and running down the mat. Right, basic stuff that teaches overall coordination that will then apply later. Yeah. Because if you get some of those kids that have zero coordination and then you just even give them a basic command, like grab here. Yeah. It's amazing how complicated that can be for certain people. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think that's the, that's a thing, right? So, you know, at the, like lately mainly only been teaching adults jujitsu, um, and, and who's going to teach the kids, you or your business partner? I will. That's the question. I will. Uh, uh, well, chance will help, but he's less of a kid person than I am because he's, <laughs> he's older, so he's less of a child. I feel like he could teach kids pretty well. Yeah. Um, but with, with, when you teach adults, it's, it's you, you have to really deal with their limitations. Yeah. Like because, because you've had. 40 years of living a life where you're not you're not athletic you can like you know your kid can do a press handstand and hold an hold an L sit in, in the splits for 20 minutes or whatever this guy can barely open his legs yeah um, and so you, you've, you've got to adapt to that and I think like what you're saying as well is, is uh, you want the jiu-jitsu options or the sport options that they have to be as wide as, op- uh, as possible because like it's yeah not, for a kid that's know, the best yeah because like, some some parents try to force their kids into it, and then some kids have general interest in it. Yeah, right. And that's really what you want. At a certain point, when you when you see the parents want their kid to become something, they'll never become. It, and it gets a little rough to, <clears throat> to yeah. watch. Right, the, the parents are way more into it than the kids are, and they're constantly talking to them about it, showing. And then you see the kids kind of eyes are off in the corner, not yeah. really focusing on what. They, and then you have other kids that will come up and ask questions after class. Yeah, it's yeah, a, it's, it's quite a big difference. The, if you're self driven, it's ten times better than being. 
That's why I tell a lot of the parents, be a little bit more hands-off. You'd be surprised how far it will get you. Because some of these kids, they know the parents are watching them the whole time. Yeah. And so they can't play. They can't have fun. They just got the eyes. And then, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll go over and push a kid in the back. And then the parent will be like, hey, stop. Stop. And I'm like, let them push each other a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's a line. but you have, they have at each to other. Be, but... You don't want to be, even as a small six-year-old, th- feeling the eyes burning into the back of your head the whole time. If you give them a little bit of freedom to explore and have fun, they might. Yeah. But if they constantly feel like your gaze is on them, they, they're tight and they can't open up. There is it? You don't you don't see like the graveyard of like failed jujitsu prodigies that you know you see the Rotolos and you see like Mikey who oh the well, graveyard exists yeah but the, that you know, graveyard you, exists it exists but you know that doesn't get on flow grappling yeah you know? <laughs> yeah there's no show on there called like who's number seven hundred and fifty six <laughs> who you know yeah how many people well where where do you think this is always an interesting question to me where do you think because I, I have an idea in my head about what's the minimum time that a regular person should train jiu-jitsu if maybe they don't love it. Maybe they don't want to train it forever, forever, but they have basic competency in a street fight where they could handle themselves over 99% of the population unless you're dealing with a huge level of athletic difference. Yeah. The, the regular dude, right, that's around their age. Maybe they're middle-aged. Like, how many years do you do you think you need to train to have the skills that will last you a lifetime in most situations? Three or four. Yeah, I think exactly it. Like, uh, you know, I suppose, mid blue belt to low purple, somewhere in there. I feel yeah. like you can handle yourself in almost any situation. Yeah. Like, it, no, sorry. As someone who's nowhere near like your two's level, yeah, I've not trained for almost a year now because I've got. Fucking, problems but like I'm back average man yeah I, I feel if like someone not that I'd ever look for trouble or anything like that but if someone's having a go at me or something I'm just so calm because I'm like oh, I'll just fuck it up like <laughs> I'll just yeah if you come at me I know enough jujitsu even though I'm only a blue belt that as long as you don't know any jujitsu you're not going to be able to like hurt me yeah if they're around your size yeah and they don't know anything <laughs> yeah. yeah I think that's a good number yeah. man but, I, but I even think like I'm not that big. Like, obviously, if someone's a fucking freak, yeah. like six foot seven, and like, jacked, I, I'm I like, I know jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, uh, bye. But even if they were like fairly bigger than me, I'd know enough that they, you know, that I'd be confident enough they couldn't hurt me. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I'm not saying I'd fuck them up, but I'd be like, well, you're not going to actually be able to hurt me, I don't think. And you can even, even something as not so simple as, or, or not so glorious, let's say, of like, oh, I'm gonna fuck him up. I'm gonna choke him unconscious. I'm gonna, but maybe you can defend oh, yourself God. long enough until right. something happens. Someone can help. Someone can. That is yeah. so underrated. I, I can manage the distance enough. You so can protect they're not gonna hurt me, until, and I can run off. Right until the, whatever. Someone could <laughs> call just, somebody. Somebody would come over. I mean, somebody yeah. would pull out their cell phone and start recording you. You know, you just need yeah. enough time. Yeah, you're calm. <laughs> you're like, to get on stomp, and then someone <laughs> will come save you. I just want to make mothership. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, you're like you're just you're calm. Like it's it's uh it's like okay cool you know how to handle a confrontation because you've you've rolled with the, the hundred and twenty kilo wrestler who's your kibbery so it's like okay like that's not you um, like you you don't have to, and and like the de-escalation as well of it like yeah you you know the way you hold yourself the de-escalation like, happens as you get older I feel yeah. like when I was oh, in my yeah. early twenties. You know, you're looking for a reason sometimes yeah. to, to start shit. Oh, absolutely. Right? But as you get a little bit older, you're like, oh, what? I, I remember feeling like there was one time where I almost got in a street fight. Not almost got in a street fight, but some dude was just talking shit, and I was talking shit, and it just got to the point where I was like, dude, like, I'm not, 
like it, it, I literally was like, okay, fighting this person would be a waste of time. Like, what am I gonna do? Bash this guy's head in? Yeah. Okay, I'm obviously not gonna do that. Like, what is the point of even getting into this verbal escalation? And then I was like, what am I gonna do? Just beat up some dude who's just talking shit that doesn't have any clue. Like, mm. I know this guy doesn't know how to fight, right? There's just no fucking way. Like, what? I'm just gonna hurt this guy that doesn't know anything. Like, in my head, you're like, yeah, that's what you'll do. And I'm like, that's fucking stupid. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna bash this guy's brains in. I'm not gonna choke him unconscious. Just move on, like, listen. But when I was younger, if that same thing had happened, you're looking for a chance to prove yourself, right? You're like, fuck this dude. Like, they owe you something if they disrespect you or whatever. Do you know the drunk person who's trying to escalate as well? Like, a, a while ago, I was out, out drinking and oh, some guy was just being a dick. And then he came over and was like, you know what I mean? He was trying to start a fight. You could just tell and, he was, yeah, and like, wouldn't let it go. Yeah, like... I just didn't buy it. I just sat down and I was like, yeah, all right, mate. And I was so calm because I was like, well, <laughs> what, yeah, you're so drunk. What are you actually going to do? And even if it escalated, like, what would you do? Are you going to beat the shit out of this no. guy? I mean, exactly. And it's the, like, why we even play this yeah. game of the ego being like, oh, show him something. Yeah. Like, what are you going to show anybody? You want to go to jail? No. Guess what? You back to head in Singapore. Yeah. You're going to fucking go to jail. But to it, teach a, a lesson. Like, it's so stupid. But when I was young. Have you heard the other side of this? <laughs> What's the other side of this? So, uh, have you heard Dan Hardy talk about this? He says he has a rule, which is like... Well, I'm in, first of all, sorry to interrupt, but this is Singapore. If this is U.S., uh, yeah, yeah. the culture for fighting is totally different. Absolutely. Like, I could actually yeah. hit somebody if they're talking shit and not be worried yeah. that I'm going to be locked up in a cage. Um, but in Singapore, the dude talking shit, let it go. Um, but what does Dan Hardy say? Dan Hardy, he has a, I think he has a rule where he's like, I will never, I will never be, like, I will either be a zero or an eight in terms of like my intensity and like readiness to fight so that whoever is on the other side of it knows. And he's, he, like, he says that that, that keeps him out of it as well. That's a good way to think about it. Because it like, and, and you, and I think, uh, you know, I don't know if that's the other side of it, but like, yeah, he's either completely calm and he's like deescalating or it's like, you're not escalating above this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's (laughs) a good way to put it. It's like, I I can be both ends of the spectrum. So the question is, have you ever been in a street fight? I have, um, before I started jujitsu, I was like... How old were you? 16. Yeah, that's about the age. That sounds right. I, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I even call it street fight. Basically, I got jumped by a couple of guys at a party. And they just... Like, start, these, started hitting you? They just punched me like nine or ten times in the face. And then... Two was, people at once? Yeah. I was quite drunk. So, and then I don't know what happened. You just turtle up? Like, what, what happened? No, and then I... Uh, and you started swinging back? Turtle? Defensive posture? Like, what are you... So, what happened drunk, was... You remember. Um, <laughs> like, it's, it's sort of like... I, I remember then charging and then it was someone else who was like, no, dude, I'm on your side. I'm on your side. So I get up and I just... Oh, so I, you like grab somebody or whatever yeah, yeah. that was like... So I see... I see, I see someone... I see one of the guys who I was like, I know, was, I know he was he was involved. Uh, and I went... It was weird because I, I grabbed him like by the back of the neck and I was like, all right, I'm going to... And then like five people jump on me to like hold me away from him. So he's like... Is this here? Yeah. In Singapore. Uh, and then, so he comes, he gets back up and he has like a free shot and he just whacks me like one more time. Um, so that wasn't, that wasn't ideal. But then, uh, <laughs> so that wasn't, but like wasn't at ideal. the end of it, at the end of it, I had, I had like well a, said. I had a slightly broken nose. Um, oh yeah. And then, yeah, that's not ideal. Like my dad wasn't, my dad wasn't pleased, but I, I was like, was your dad not pleased because you lost the fight or because you got into a fight? Because this would be the difference between the American version of the story and the Singaporean <laughs> so version. I was, I was Here actually, you would be like, you're in trouble for fighting. In America, they'd be like, why did you lose the fight? 
Because there were two guys. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I've got a pass. Yeah, yeah you got a you pass. That's true. Um, but but he, I, I, th- I think he, <laughs> like, I didn't want to get police involved or anything. Um, I, had a, I had a broken nose, took me to hospital, and then we are fine. Um, but, yeah, I think like, my dad would have, like, preferred it if I'd, like, we'd gotten police involved and stuff. And I was like, I'm no snitch. Yeah, that's the Singaporean and, way, though. But, that's the um, Singaporean way. And then, but then after that, my dad was like, no, 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 I want you to learn some self-defense. So uh, found some dude who, you know, teaches self-defense. And, and then uh, I bought a punching bag. And I, instead of going to a boxing gym and learning to <laughs> Here's or, a bag. Or, Punch it until you're tired. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not that dumb. Okay. I watched Rocky 1 through oh, 6 first. Oh. Okay. So you did you did your prep work basically. Yeah, basically. Um, you did your film study because every every fight every every boxing match is just haymaker haymaker haymaker. Hey, hey, you can't teach heart, bro. And then both people you either have it or you don't. Both people fall over at the same time, and one beats the tank, had the other doesn't. That's how fighting works. That is. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, done. You know, you just come up as a basic novice. You yeah. do a hard training montage. You fight the world champion. Yeah, split decision. Uh, yeah. Cool. You yeah. win some, you lose some. Need a cool nickname. Need a cool nickname, and I never got that. Which is you never got a nickname? No. Oh, um, that's a shame. You, you didn't train with the Brazilians enough. You would have got one if you if you'd hung around them for more than 10 fucking minutes. But then, actually, <laughs> um, like my final day of school, I went to an international school, uh, we had like a self-defense seminar, which was run by my old judo club. And Sul, like Sul came in, and I won't ruin his podcast for you, but like when, uh, like Sul's, all kind of talented martial artists. He was like national sea light champion. So he was teaching us like... Oh, I got to train with Suleiman, man. He, he was teaching us... He was so um, legit. I mean, I knew he was a black belt, so I knew he was legit in that um, sense, but I didn't know he, he was... like was... national sea light champion like three times. <clears throat> but so he was teaching us... Uh, he was teaching us like the crazy monkey defense. Uh, the crazy monkey defense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like he, and he was just like... Like someone was trying to slap him. He was just like, whatever. Cool. He's just blocking in. For yeah, the odd people then, listening, he's blocking and slipping and... Uh, and then like we... We would like it was our final day of school, so we always. So for people that don't know, sorry, Muhammad Suleiman is the head referee or one of the referees at one yeah. championship. Yeah, um, but with, so I mean, uh, the main thing I remember about learning the crazy monkey defense was um, was like going out clubbing that night, and all of us were done. Like that was the <laughs> oh, that was a dance night. Yeah, oh, that was dance um, But then, um, but I got the calendar, and that's where I, that's when I started like the, the calendar, and I was like, oh, cool, they teach MMA and BJJ. I want to learn MMA. Um, and so I went to, that's when I went to train. Um, but yeah, so I've been in a street fight. Yeah. And, and what? I mean, he, <laughs> he sounds more like he got jumped to be honest. Yeah. 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 Jake, I wasn't, I wasn't allowed fight? to fight back. You got a street fight story? You must have, you were a musician. Somebody's punched you in the past for sure. I've got, um, <laughs> and you're from Rotherham. <laughs> yeah. I've got so many. It's ridiculous. Not some hard or anything. I just grew up somewhere really maybe rough. You're, maybe you're just a dick, dude. What's the common denominator? No, you, right. most, in every situation. No, most. 20 divorces. <laughs> is it their wife? Maybe you're the problem, Jake. That's no, the, the best bit is none of them actually, normally involve me actually being in the street fight it's just watching them and I remember once similar to your situation two kids jumped my mate who, who was like called Dean he was this is when we were 16 and he was like 6'3 16 is the age yeah that's the universal standard 6'3 six, six, and massive and he jumped him on a um, Saturday night when he was 6'3 16 yeah he oh, was you're, you're, you're made to stand a chance because <laughs> they or don't have any skills at 16 so whoever's bigger wins or if he did <laughs> no but he he was the bigger guy and two, li- two little guys same age jumped him when he was hammered sucker punched him oh I mean that's like, the move if he's a giant and you're just two regular people 
you got to sucker punch that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Teamwork makes the dream work, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, like, got lucky. He, he, he didn't even drop him. He lost his balance. He was hammered, fell over, and they kicked him on the floor for a bit. And then um, <laughs> Monday rolls around. We go back to school, and obviously he's stone cold sober and pissed. And we, like, walk into the room that they're both in, and they literally, like, throw themselves at the floor at his knees like we're so sorry we oh, didn't really? mean to it was oh, like, oh you knew. fucking change your tune they knew all fucking six foot three of them was coming oh, after him at they some knew point. sober six foot once three once you get them alone then what are they going to do it, they knew they fucked up it was so funny and then they went from like you know they, they'd done it and they jumped him and they you know, got him to the floor and kicked him a few times they went from oh we're so tough to literally Monday morning everyone laughing at him like you fucking pussies yeah yeah I mean, I remember the first time I ever got in what I would call a fight was in the gym, because I'd never, I'd never been in a street fight. Yeah. I de-escalate, honestly. I'm not that guy. I'm not that bro dude who gets drunk. Even though I like to drink, I've never been in like a drunk fight. I'm just not that person who escalates. So the first time I was ever, first time I ever knew that I was in a fight was when I got dropped with a body shot, <laughs> right? Because I, I remember it was the first uh, 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 about. 10 seconds of my first sparring round of all time. <laughs> so I have a very keen memory of it. I was training at uh, Adrenaline Training Center, which is this big mixed martial arts academy in uh, London, Ontario, in Canada. And uh, I don't know, you, do you watch the UFC? Are you, are you pretty familiar? familiar? I used to. A little bit? A bit. So uh, a couple of my old coaches uh, were one of the biggest Canadian gyms outside of like uh, Farasa Hobby and GSP. And Mark Hominick fought Jose Aldo for the featherweight title. I don't, I don't know if you're yeah. aware of who he is. Uh, and I trained at that gym. Yeah. So there's a bunch of, like, three or four UFC fighters signed at the time, and then I trained at that gym. I roll up into my first, like, Muay Thai sparring, kickboxing sparring class, right? And I, I think that I'm going to be treated like I would treat somebody who was in their first kickboxing sparring class, which is like, hey, I'm, I'm going to move around with you, you know, just keep your hands up, pop, oh, I got you, like, a little bit of fun, everything, right? Like, I just, I play with the students when I yeah. they're in their first sparring class, because I know... As you probably do when you do like introduction level BJJ, and too many jujitsu instructors forget this. People are nervous sometimes when yeah. they come in, and it's so, and especially if you do it longer and longer, it becomes such a routine that you kind of forget that. Mm. But there's many times people come into a boxing class, Muay Thai class, jujitsu class, whatever, they're nervous. Yeah. And even if they're like, hey, how are you? Come on, you don't be, like, I've been nervous to go and train like. I still get nervous to train. I still get nervous to train. If certain people show up, I'm like, fuck, here we go. <laughs> right? I mean, everybody can relate to yeah. that that state. And then... I've been Mujik train lately, and I'm just like, oh, why, why am I doing this? I, yeah. So, <laughs> sometimes you just know, you're like, I have to do this. I shouldn't do this. Why am I doing this? Better qualify for ADCC. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, uh, so, so I'm sparring with one of the coaches in, in the first round. And he tells me that it's a boxing round. I think I've told this story on the podcast. He's like, okay, boxing, boxing only, or whatever. And then I'm like, okay, cool. And then I'm like shitting myself because I'm staring across from a professional fighter who's the coach of the gym. And I didn't think he was going to hurt me because I would never hurt someone else in that scenario, right? And so I start moving around with him, moving around with him. I'm shitting my pants. I'm just like throwing my jab on the outside like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, because I've never had somebody punch back, so I don't know what to expect. And then... I throw him, I'm throwing, I'm throwing, he grabs me, puts me in a tie plum, and knees me in the liver. It's supposed to be a boxing only round. This is in the first 10 seconds, 20 seconds of my first ever time doing kickboxing sparring, right? I was being hazed. Yeah. Right? It was it was a are you gonna come back type thing. Like we're gonna just hit you hard, boom, straight away. If you come back, then you can we we know that you really wanna do this. It 
you know, it wasn't an accident. It's a boxing round. He fucking need me in the body, right? Yeah. It was clearly a hazing thing. It took me like a long time to understand how fucked up that was. Mm. Because you're coming in at the first experience. And this is going to lead to the question that, that I have to ask you. Uh, because I, I like to ask this to other instructors. Yeah. Were there, what experiences, it's kind of like asking a parent in hindsight how they would raise their kids, you know, because your parents raised you and you think when you're a parent, how would you do things differently? So I like to ask the coaches that, that are here, how, what experiences happened to you or how would you coach differently so that the overall experience is more fun so that people actually want to come? Because when stuff like that happens, you have a bad experience. A lot of times in Singapore, it's like relationship stuff. It's like it's instructors sleeping with students. It's, there's a lot of toxic stuff that we've witnessed, I'm sure, over the last 10 years, 15 years of training. So I'm curious if there's anything to you where you... You don't have to describe an event or anything, but is there any particular thing where you're like, I would, I would do it like this, and this is why I would do it that way? Because you have experience, and you've seen, I'm sure, some shit over the years. Um, I mean, I've, uh, I've been on the end of like, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, don't know, would you call it receipt? But um, uh, like when I was a really spazzy white belt, uh, I was rolling with this dude at the gym. It was really good, um, and I. I ended up like hitting him in the nose like early in the round and then um was it boxing no 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 uh oh, it was jiu-jitsu like, like, caught him accident or something yeah I, and then i i think i like tried to aggressively knee cut or something and i ended up accidentally headbutting him in the nose at oh, the yeah. end of the round and then like he was bleeding from the nose for a bit and i was like oh man i'm so like i, I was like very obviously like quite sorry and you know quite remorseful about it um and he's like, yeah, that's cool, whatever, no worries. And then like three or four weeks, three weeks later is the next time I see him in the gym. And I roll with him and he he, he leaves an armbar on. And, I was, and he leaves an armbar on. And there was another like uh, senior belt. Like he, he held it too long? After I tapped. After you tapped. Yeah. Oh, fuck. So, so yeah. like, it wasn't, it, he didn't like, he didn't like break my arm. But it was he, a message. It was a sending a message. Is, that's he, what it was, right? No, sending a message. Me. Tom was like, oh, he that's told what, you. That's what happens when you like, you know. Oh shit! Really? This is what happens when you hit me in the nose. Oh, what a times. cunt! <laughs> what a dick! Uh, what a dick! Yeah, man. Yeah, and like he's, I mean, he's had he's had issues with he had issues with other people as well. So it's not. Um, but yeah, I was like, okay, well, that's that's not something we want. And then another thing I've seen, like, I just don't like, I don't like Matt bullies, um, and I think like my definition of a bully is like. Like, yes, obviously, like, picking on someone, like, smaller and weaker. But then, in addition to that, like, when you roll with me, you're just like, ooh, I'm just trying to survive. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I've, got, I've got no time for that. I've really got no time for that. So, I, I think, like, yeah, just, like, making sure, like, you've got a, you've got a culture of people that are, like, you know, good. And I'm not against, like, look, I'm not against, like, people who are, needing to be taught a lesson but not like that yeah like like if you if, if a if, if a guy's how would you handle it like what, what would you do you see some I, guy who's doing a, being maybe too aggressive with one of the ladies or a beginner like gets a little bit out of control i mean you, what, what, what do you do so because uh, you get that i mean you have you really have to balance these interactions that you have with people right because yeah. you, you do if you do it long enough you get a few weird ones you're like what the hell is happening how is um, this even an issue well, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm like 
fortunate as well in that I'm I'm quite a big guy. I'm quite strong, um, so I can. Like when when I tell people about that, like look, like okay, I can, can can I rephrase this? No, sorry to interrupt you, but how how much physical, let's say, discipline, do you put? As opposed to like speaking to somebody about it, because in some sense, with the way we communicate is through jujitsu, right? So these guys who, the guy that held the armbar a little bit, that's more of a statement rather than anything, right? You get the 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 mat bully or maybe yeah. the mat enforcer, the guy that thinks that like everybody's got to go through him. You see him get a little bit too rough, you know. When I started, somebody does that to you, yeah, to teach you the lesson. Other people talk to you. How much how much merit do you put in like? The physical disciplining of somebody who's maybe doing that to somebody who's maybe bullying somebody else. I, this I is mean, a tricky topic, right? I mean, so if if I'm okay, if I'm going to do it, if I'm going to you know say hey, you need to be better. It's it's going to be then in a like in a way that like it's it's not they're not tapping, but they're like oh god, I know you're willing to make people uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, to a point. Yeah, no, and not necessarily like pain, and not necessarily like I'm not gonna like top pressure the crap out of you, but I'm just like you, like you're gonna have five minutes where I do whatever I want, uh, and I, like, it's, and that's not like wouldn't hurt someone doing it, but like, yeah, okay, and then there'll be a lot of like, okay, you didn't tap there because I very obviously let go, yeah, sort of thing, um, because I think that's like that's the kind of thing that like lasts. In, in people, that's the kind of thing that's like lasted in my mind. It's like when people are that good or that much better, that yeah. there's no hope. There's yeah, nothing I just you couldn't do. do anything. And like yeah. so, and then so I think like that's that's the kind of thing. And and can I use a different analogy? Yeah. Okay, we'll use striking because maybe some people it's it's a little bit more. Okay, so so you you watch a student who's doing a boxing class or a Muay Thai class. Guy hits the other guy too hard, maybe being a little bit of a bully. You're going to go with them next. Do you drop them with a body shot? Do you hit them a little hard? Right? This is like the strike. I'm just giving a striking. Where do you put the physical discipline? Because in some sense, this is how we communicate. Right? Isn't that weird? Uh, It's like we literally communicate by like how much pain. This is a funny like little coaching thing. Because you really have to be like, I do it all the time. Like how hard am I going to roll with this guy right now? Like Uh, uh, today I'm going to flow with him. Today I might not tap him out at all. The next time I'm going to tap. He's competing. Now I'm going to tap him out every... 30 seconds, right? Like, that's my wife. No, don't worry. No one's breaking in. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it's okay. We've got two and a half train fighters here. <laughs> yeah. Two and a half. The poor dude. He looked right at you, Jake. That was... He literally... Look, I'll take half. Tony Day looked away. Um, uh, yeah, so... I, I mean, asking me from a striking perspective is... Uh, not ideal. No, but I'm just I using that to be more analogous to the... How much, how much um, do you think it's acceptable to... To, to teach somebody a let to I don't know a good I don't leg wanna, kick I think a good leg kick is, is a leg kick will do it is the one um, <laughs> actually I have a I have a good like, to make them tap to knee on belly are you that guy you're like I'm just gonna knee on belly I, I, you. I, you've I, been that guy that's I, what you're trying to say I quite like <laughs> making people tap to scarf hold oh yeah just like the chest full, compression full Josh Barnett yeah um, or uh, on uh, Alexio Linick did you see yes he, he got another one yeah. He gets it every sneak, week, sneaky week, submission man. master. No, no, the yeah. most recent one was the scarfold. But he he has both. He, he has yeah. both. He can do um, the chest compression and the scar and the Ezekiel. But yeah, I think actually, like I had a, I'm gonna drop some names. Oh, so I used to, uh, I used to work for the UFC, 
uh, doing like athlete relations stuff. So I'd escort fighters to and from airports and stuff. So I was actually I was in Macau when Luke Rockhold and Michael Bisping were having like were having beef, and it was before they fought the first time. And there was like some they, Luke Rockhold had some bet uh, with him, and I, and I was like, uh, and he was pissed off, and he was like, mm, take that guy. And I was like, all right, well, I'm, I'm like, helping you get to the airport, buddy. Sorry. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, then, he was literally saying that to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I was, and then uh, he was talking to someone else. Uh, he was talking to Mike Swick about it. He was like, I can't, I can't wait to like, get in the cage with him. I can't wait, but like, I just don't know what I'm going to do to him. Like, maybe, maybe I just like, you know, let him hit me or something. Oh, he fucking or, said that? No. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> or he got the game across the... No, did he literally yeah, say that? This was before their first fight. Oh, yeah, so... Yeah. He, Oh, before their first fight. Yeah. So Luke Rockhold won the first yeah. fight, and then the second uh, fight. Just, but like, what out. Luke Rockhold said was like, "There's no like." I was like, "I can't wait," to, and I know what I got to do to him. But like, I've really, uh, really got to make sure he's not getting submitted. I got to like, got to knock him out. Got to make that statement. And I was like, "But uh, what was his last fight? The fight bef- he'd had before that." was really cool where he like he was that the Philippu body kick no he there was one in between I think it was like Mark Bosch no Tim Bosch Tim Bosch he, he hit a he got a he teabagged him already oh right yeah. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, now I remember that was like fresh in my mind and I was yeah. like I was like yeah but the thing is right if you tap him out like he's admitting he's admitting you like that he's lost to you there like, yeah people somehow say that tapping out is like le- it's somehow less glamorous than knocking people out yeah, I don't know why. So I, I was just like, look, if you if if you yeah if you knock him out, like, great, like you'll enjoy it for sure. But if you if you if you make him tap, like he's he's the I'm one giving who, up. He's the one who said you win, and I was and then I was like, and also if you tee back him or him, you've got his ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you know he ended up guillotining him. So, Off a, but he dropped him with a head kick, right? He did drop him with a head kick. That was that was what happened first. So Bisping, he, Bisping uh, says there was a headbutt. Head I can't yeah. remember the fight. I, I only saw the fight that when it happened. I don't. Know. B- Bisping maintains that there was, was an accident, like, an accidental headbutt, and it fucked up his good eye. It's because blood was pouring into his good eye. Getting kicked in it. That yeah. also. Yeah, that also guy. didn't help. I don't know, man. That head kick was pretty flush, and Luke Rockhold kicks like a fucking mule. Yeah. I mean, that dude kicks hard. Oh, his his career is a bit disappointing. At right, end, and at the end, what one of the greatest moments in UFC history is when fucking Bisping won the belt. I know, and Rockhold was so pissed everybody, afterwards. Yeah, everybody, everybody shits on Luke Rockhold, and, and rightfully so. He's definitely kind of a tool, right? He kind of, he kind of throws off well, like I'm a bit was, of a tool vibes. When he won the his belt, fighting though, is amazing. Like when his he won fighting, the belt, though, I thought like that's the next dynasty. Yeah, because because, yeah. because I think like because he, he, he beat Weidman, he beat Weidman, who beat yeah. Anderson, and then Weidman. But Weidman made it until yeah. Weidman made a serious fuck up to get beat. Was that the was that the one where he threw the oh, wheel he kick? He threw the wheel mixed. kick. Yeah, and Rockhold took him down, mounted him. The, the the other thing with like Rockhold is his jujitsu is so so good. That's what everybody says. Like, and, and, if you can he, mount Weidman, because everybody says yeah. that about Weidman. Yeah, and but he but like he wasn't, it wasn't ever displaying it. Yeah, like because he was having fights where he was like trying to trying to crush kick. people on the feet. Yeah, yeah. kicking uh, everybody. His kicks were nasty. Yeah, that um, question mark kick. Oh, dude, yeah. yeah. Rockhold's got some kicks. Um, so I thought like, oh, for sure, this is the dynasty. Like, and then, so I, I actually I worked. The best thing about people. No, it's it's one of those like the best feel good moments I've ever had for MMA, just because Bisping was also pointing out <laughs> some 
pretty clear truce with Rockhold, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it has nothing to do with Rockhold's fighting ability, but he was just needling him just the right way. Yeah. Talking about how he sticks his chin up and Kings how he's he this his left. and he's this poser. No, drops his right. And they start shitting on him for being a model and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And Bisping's like a regular dude. Yeah. So he had the everyman quality going against the supermodel, fucking UFC champion who's beautiful and all that kind of shit. Yeah. And then he makes, it's like the easiest fight of his career. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and nobody thought Bisping was going to win. It was one of the best. That one and maybe when I saw uh, Randy Couture beat Tim Silvio was like, oh, I'll, uh, Glover. Glover Teixeira. I'll give it uh-huh. to him too. Yeah. There's a few of those moments uh, the underdog win. Was it uh, Brandon Moreno when he won the title? Yeah. There's a few of those yeah. like you just feel good when somebody and and then you realize oh yeah what about the other guy? <laughs> like, he's having the worst fucking day of his life. No, but in, in that one, Rocco was so ungrate like ungracious in defeat. He was just apparently he was like demanding a rematch. Say, like saying Stana, no no no, he was just unlucky. He's just unlucky. You've got to give me an immediate the thing rematch. With the Rocco thing, at least from a pure martial arts aesthetic understanding is that his body language was like I don't give a fuck you're not going to do anything yeah it's one thing to it say really that was, right that's really that's what was. makes it so bad because yeah. it's one thing to talk about I'm going to walk through you I'm going to do whatever but then you still expect these people to be on their fucking game and sharp and aware and still alert and then he's just like chin up kind of flowing on the outside and then Bisping catches him easy and it's like yeah. dude your body language is just so dismissive of this elite athlete like yeah. I understand Bisping's not like Anderson or, or Rockhold in terms of the long or um, Weidman in terms of the long term career, but Bisping's fucking dangerous. Yeah, and like no, I think there was a there was a thing like before their first fight or something where they were they were both being interviewed, and and Bisping was like, no, the the thing is is right, like we're both talking shit, but I I am respecting him as an athlete, like like I know he's dangerous. He he. And then he was like, he legitimately thinks that I'm not. Yeah, that was the, that <laughs> was the thing. Yeah. It's like, what? This is Michael Bisping we're talking about. And yeah. I think the first fight was just too easy for Rockhold. And yeah. so he was like, it's going to go exactly the same Short way. notice as well. I was, yeah. um, and short for Bisping. Yeah. For Bisping only. Yeah. So I, I, I worked at the UFC event where Bisping fought Anderson Silver as well. Oh, nice. So what was, oh, what was cool, what was cool about that? You got to see that, that live? That's sick, dude. Uh, no, I was in the back. Oh, okay. I was okay. in the back but watching oh. it on screen and being like, what? Yeah, that was an amazing um, fight. But what, what what I thought was cool, I was like, I've just witnessed something that will be legendary and then obviously nothing happened, was uh, Rockhold had just beaten Weidman for the belt and he was like the visiting fighter to, to be there. And they were, they were getting weighed in and they were doing the weigh-in and I was in the back room where they're all waiting to go and be weighed in. Bisping goes to get weighed in and like there's theatrics about it and it takes ages. And in that time, like Anderson Silva and Luke Rockhold are like the only two people in there and Luke Rockhold was like, What's up, Anderson? We uh, we gonna do this when you? Uh, oh, really? I was like, I'll enjoy that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That never happened. <laughs> that would have been fun. Damn though. you, bitch! That would have been a good one, though. That honestly would have been a good one. Yeah. Yeah. What's your What's your take on that? Maybe we'll finish up after after this this point. What's uh? So you're also a, a one judge, or you you've judged one. I don't yeah. know what your situation is now, but what it's different when you're there on the floor, right? You've been an official for a bunch of stuff. I mean, yeah. When you see some stuff live, it's it's pretty great. You you judge the speaking of, we've talked about this. You judge the Christian Lee Akrayun fight. Correct. Okay, okay. Let's Ooh. touch on this. <laughs> Let's touch on this. You you say whatever you feel like you can say, and anything you feel like you can't say, please tell us that. Please still say it. Anything you feel you can't say, can you say after we turn the cameras off? <laughs> so anyway, what was your take on this fight? You were one of the the judges again. You know your your take as long as it doesn't get you fucking. <laughs> Gets you thrown in the Chachi's uh, I think uh, uh, I'll address the, the 
criticism that was laid out towards us from <laughs> mainly from this like, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean uh, no, from like. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you know, there was like, oh, you know, one place is uh, attempting to finish like above all, and yeah. Christian attempted two submissions, and I was like, did you see the submissions? And like one of them, like, uh, it's you know, and you you're a judge, so you know, it's like it's a near it's a near submission. Yeah, what's a, what qualifies and, as a near finish? It's it's and, at a certain point, it's subjective. And, at a certain point, it's objective, but, right? But, yes. Yeah, so the it's both the two submissions like. One was like they were stand up, they were stood up, and he had his back, and he he went for a rear naked choke, and Ock sort of went, "I'm gonna strip your hook, I'm gonna turn out this," mm. right? And I was like, "Okay, that's that's not near submission then." I guess they qualified a, it as penetrating the chin. Kind I don't think he did it. Like, and he, I, I think he had the chin beat, but he wasn't. He didn't have the back full. It was like in a transitionary, yeah. and he scraped it. I haven't seen it in a while. I can't remember yeah. exactly, but something uh, felt like like that. I had to watch it a few times after that. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> no, but 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 again, like again, like if you if you just, if you go for like a bull, you didn't show, qualify it as a near submission. No. Oh. Okay, and then the other one was like the dust, like yeah. and and Ox counted that was I will stand up. So again, I'm not like if. Uh, and then what I thought was really useful was that two days later, uh, Brian Ortega and Volkanovski fought. Yeah. And I was like, that guillotine, that, that's a near that's submission. <laughs> yeah. That's that triangle, a, yeah. also a near submission. That's like, I was like, well, I feel like, I felt, um, you know, as in, so from that perspective, like, like yeah. Uh, and then. Did you think Ock had won the in-betweens? Mostly, I, I, uh, the, 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 the the stuff striking. Yes. Let's assume that we're taking the near subs out. Yeah. Based on the yeah, yeah. I I thought he had. Um, uh, it was a fucking close fight. The, it was a fucking I, close fight. I thought you know they're both they're both that is literally in my so mind as a judge it yeah. literally comes down to that near finish category. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, they both hurt each other. Yeah. Um, and I, I cancelled that out like on the night, and then on the night as well, like the. Um, the punches and, and the strikes in general that Ark was throwing were like harder. You like, could hear it. You, you could. Feel I could it. hear them more. Like so, I was like, "There's there's venom there." Yeah, when you're in cage side, and, you can really hear and yeah. see everything in a way different level than. Yeah. So then there's that, and then uh, I mean the other thing with judging, like how how many events have you done? One. How many fights were that? I'm super experienced. I I feel like I can weigh in on this topic fully. <laughs> and uh, which seat were you? Uh, I was two. Okay, that's, that was the one I'm mm-hmm. I'm normally in. So took my job. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, you don't. You. It's a lot of blind spots there. Yeah. It's a lot of blind spots. No, that was uh, actually um, one of the things I was concerned about because I didn't know if there were monitors or not. Um, and but so, there are definitely. I, I don't know what the rule is. Right for me. When they went into a blind spot where the pillars are there, yeah. I just turned around and I looked at the big screen. Yeah, yeah. I don't that's know what, if that's what you're supposed to do. No one told me. That's what I would do. Or I, I, the first few events I did, I didn't, I, I didn't sit down. I, I, stat, I'd stood up, and if they went to a blind spot, I'd move so I could. So I had a better. That's not bad. Point. You are more alert too when you stand up um, than when you're sat down. Uh, but, but there's still stuff you miss because they move that. Like they move yeah. in there. They move quick, and a punch doesn't take long. And like something that lands that like in your blind spot. Yeah. Like. Ha- True. Yeah, how, do, true. how do you score it? And so, and like, you know what the other thing is that I found was like, because you're expected to take. Oh yeah, notes. you look down. You look, yeah, you look down. You write a note. You look up, and all of a sudden, like it literally in one two seconds, things remember, can change. Do you remember that double knock, like double knockdown? Yeah. Knockout fight. Yeah. Yeah, I looked down. Like, really? 
Yeah, and all of a sudden you look up and then people are like, I, I look up, I look up, I hear like the impact go and then I see both of them fall down. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, and this then, is, this is a thing and it's really unfair to even uh, expect that you, you, yeah. you can't, when you're expecting people to take notes, there are seconds that you are, it's guaranteed yeah. your eyes are going to be down because you have to make a note yeah. and stuff happens in that couple. I'm literally like. Right. If you're so actually, just saying like, this, I'm like looking up, looking down really quick. I'm looking up, because I'm not trying to miss the action, but I gotta take these notes. So I'd argue like a lot of my notes are pretty poor because of, like like for certain events, like my some of my notes would be pretty poor because I like I would be trying to pay attention and then write notes at the end of the round. Yeah, that's, um, what, that's what and then and, and and when and then when you do that, like you're, you're doing it on feel. Um, but then like there's there've been other things. I think um, I was. Uh, like I can't remember what the fight was, but like there was a fight where um, they went like the there's the like the advertising hoarding in the in the cage. So yeah. That's like that wide, or a foot wide, uh, for the listeners. <laughs> you onto it now. Yeah. Nice. All about the production quality here. Um, <laughs> but they they As both you can tell by the stuffed dog. They both went through it, you. and uh, they both like walk past that, and then one fighter comes out of it and he's grabbed his face, like to be like. Uh, and I was like, oh God, that whatever happened there must have been bad. And the referee doesn't do anything. And then someone on the other side of the cage was like, no, he was, he was arguing, like he got a head, he got a head oh. But the ref didn't see it. And I didn't see it. So I was like, oh God, that's... Like, you just that, see the reaction and then yeah. your brain is trying to and piece like, together what happened here. And like, when's the, like, the only real time I've seen someone like get hit in the face and go like, like... It's like Rory McDonald after like that Robbie Lawler fight. Yeah, and I was like, like a hard shot landed. Yeah. I was like, that must have been hard. Oh no, that was there when Cowboy broke someone's jaw, and the guy was just like, nope. Yeah, there's no, <laughs> no doubt more. of it. Yeah. So, so it's you know. Yeah, there, there's a like, there's a reasonable amount of human error that you have to yeah. expect, no matter what. And they're quick. And it's subjective. They're quick. Quick to ask you for. They're quick to ask you for that. that oh, that it's card. it's two seconds. It's five seconds. Like literally, I I'm trying to like sign my name, and like the fight ends. I'm writing. I sign my name. Some dude's tapping me on the shoulder. I'm like, whoa, whoa, okay. Let me just do this yeah. real quick. And then someone came up to me, and they're like, uh, you know, you don't have to write the fighter's name down. Just write red or blue corner. It'll be faster. And I was yeah. like, I was like, oh yeah, that, that's on me. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I'm learning. I'm still mm-hmm. on the job, guys. Let me let me. Sorry, I've right. done it wrong. I've done so it. that seat, that seat, uh, blue corner is on your left, red corner is on your right, and on the sheet, blue corner is on the left, and red corner is on the left, blue corner is on the right. David's like low key, like so. There was one time I marked everybody as the winner that was actually the loser because uh, no, I've, I've I, I have on uh, once I have sprinted around to the the main judge and been like, no, I meant the other one. <laughs> I, I had a moment. It was just a paranoia moment, but I had a moment where something like that happened. I wrote it. I filled out the card. The guy tapped me. I gave him the card. And then I was like, did I just write the wrong names? Yeah. Just cause the fear, <laughs> yeah. it was fine. It was the unanimous decision, but the fear popped up in my head of being, cause you're still slightly aware that you're being scrutinized. Right. Yeah. As you do with a job, like you're playing a, you're a judge, you're performing a vital role. And if you yeah. fuck it up, People lose money, or people. There's a lot of things that go wrong, so you're expected to be on point, which you fucking should be. But at the yeah. same time, at the same time, you're still learning and everything. And I just had that moment flare up in the back of my head. I was like, oh, did, I write, did I write the wrong? Oh, you know what it was? No, I remember exactly what it was. It was uh, the Mikey Musumichi uh, fight. You don't have to give that a decision. It's a submission. So. I know, but you still have to turn <laughs> in the card, right? Okay. So it's uh, Musumichi and uh, uh, Imanari, and they, they're experimenting. Did you catch it? Did you catch that match? Uh, I've seen it. Yeah. 
So uh, uh, Suleiman is yelling out, catch, yeah. right? And then they have this new system that they're experimenting with on the judging card. And there was a, p- a position that so when they were in the 50-50, and uh, I could see that Iminari had his ankle, but Musumichi also had his ankle. And then there was like a the center line of where they were hand fighting was blocked by the thing. And it's, I'm turning around, I'm trying, trying to catch it on the big screen, and then I hear Suleiman yell, catch! And then I remember writing it down for Iminari because I thought he had the, the bigger bite on the ankle. And then there was like one or two more catches that happened. And then I remember thinking, like, oh, shit, did I count the catch for the wrong person? Because they were in a 50-50, and I, like, my view wasn't perfect. And I was like, I think Iminari had the bite, and that, that was where it came from. And then, but I just got into my head about that, that cycle, and it's very quick in the moment. You only have a few seconds to decide. And you're using like tertiary logic because I didn't see it. Yeah. So you start yeah. being like, okay, well, based on the position that they were in and the grips they both have, who was most likely the one that had the most effective position when the catch was there? And I couldn't quite see it because of the position of the cage. But it's taken you two minutes to explain this, and you had six seconds to yes to make that decision. Exactly. Well. Like, exactly. And then I just remember again being very proud. Like, oh man, I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't screw that up. I may, hope I make sure I got the right thing. Because I the last thing I want to do is, is be wrong. Yeah. Oh, is is Kashan fighting right now? I'm trying to work out. Sorry, I'm being really distracted. No, no, no. no I, I didn't I realize tell. until you said you know Kashan. <clears throat> yeah. Do you, do you know Kashan? So he's fighting the top Korean uh, flyweight prospect. Fuck. Is this him right now? No. But I can't work out whether his fight already fought and we missed it or he's coming up next. I'm not uh, sure. Instagram is probably... No, I've tried, but... So then he must not have fought yet because somebody would have posted something. Yeah. Unless it was disastrous and then they would post nothing. Well, bizarre. As you do bizarrely, in competition. Yeah. You post when you win, when you lose, you say nothing. But I check major. You lick your loons quietly. I check major yeah, as well in, and nothing. In okay. jiu-jitsu competition, you can say you lost the eventual winner. In an MMA fight, that's a given. Yeah. <laughs> or in jiu-jitsu, you can get on the podium and having lost every match, you can get third place. Yeah. Third place. You know what I mean? Still a medal. How many people were there? Don't these are not important no. questions to ask. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, so where's your gym opening up? Uh, uh, yeah, well, so we're opening up in uh, in one north, uh, just above the MRT station in Fusionopolis. That's a nice place. It's exciting. That's a really nice mall. Yeah, that's a super nice place. So, when do you start? Uh, we got I got keys today. Oh. Actually. Um, How's the gym coming along? That whole process is a fucking nightmare, right? That's a podcast and a half, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, we could have done a whole podcast yeah. on opening up a business um, in a martial arts school just alone. So maybe podcast 17 and a half will be... Uh, what's what's, but, the, ne- what's the next sexually explicit number? Like after 69, what's the most sexual number? 96. Mm, no. Life. I mean, it's just a reverse... Is it, wait. No, it doesn't... Well, that's a weird... That's Why? A, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. What's, what's the second sexiest number is the question. 6.9. 690, sorry. No, 169. 169, and the one's a woman. Okay, okay. So the point is, uh, the next time David comes back will be the sexiest podcast, the next sexiest podcast we have. How about that? There you go. How about that, That works. Um, All right, dude, so one north, if you're training, you're going to do, what kind of classes are you going to have? BJJ, Muay Thai, uh, boxing? SG, SG grappling, SG squared. Primary school maths for everyone there. Uh, yeah, uh, it'll be mainly grappling. It's me and uh, my coach Chance, so we've mainly got grappling experience. Chance Gi, no gi, judo. You're gonna do judo? You uh, have to do judo, right? I'm gonna call it all grappling, and then and just try you, to sneak those judo um, moves yeah. in there. You have to. The idea is people. like well-roundedness yeah. for everyone. So yeah. the takedowns and the trips and the throws, you gotta sneak those in there. Yeah. If you advertise that shit, people won't come. Jude- we we had a judo class for a while. No one came. Yeah. Right, yeah. I gotta make it jujitsu class, and then I gotta sneak it in there, and they yeah, they, exactly. they show up, and now they have no choice but to deal with it. It's the only to, way. Uh, you have to dare me to take shots in wrestling competitions as well. So it's, 
This is <laughs> this is this has happened multiple times. When Major and Shinya and I did like an in-house do uh, competition, we decided that we were going to take shots for anybody that pulled guard. Yeah. Our mistakes were that we told everybody that that was the deal, and we thought it would backfire. We thought everybody would be pulling guard like mad just to get us drunk, and for whatever reason, our students respected us. I can't figure it out. If I was in that see, same situation, I'm pulling guard all day just to see what happens. They wanted literally, to have a bad time. <laughs> pulling guard, standing up, pulling guard again. And I was literally like looking at my guys, I'm like, "Will someone pull guard so I can take a shot?" Come on, guys, can we get on the same page here? Yeah. All right, dude, David, we we finally did this, man. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Thanks for no being worries, on the man. podcast. Let's do it again. We've got to get you on the, the regular cycle of, yeah. of guests on here. We have a big panel. Are we doing the, the commentary again soon? We need to do that again. They've, you, me and Major put is, on, you, me, and Major is a nice yeah. three-punch combination. Yeah, yeah. They've, I don't, uh, got Oz, 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 Tiff, you're putting an event on. Yeah, so that's how I, well, I didn't meet you from there, but that was how I kind of got like reintroduced yeah. to you in like a... Uh, jiu-jitsu environment so that, that's really fun man I love doing the commentary yeah it's fun it's, it's more fun than judging for sure yes commentary oh. is the most fun outside of like actually fighting or competing yeah by miles because judging you've got to you know try and be objective commentary yeah got to try and be I think we need to get on that more as like a real yeah. thing we need to start to figure out how to you ever thought of doing hot mic what's hot mic it's like an app where you can uh, it's like so you do fan commentary so you tell people like this is the time code is it, so it's, it's better for like sports oh, it, with like oh I didn't know it's good for like thing. football and stuff because there's a running clock so you just be like I'm at 46 uh, 34 seconds 35 36 that's wait what's it, what's it called hot mic so oh I didn't like, know you can do thing. like alternative commentary to for events oh um, is it popular is that like a well known thing this is the first time I'm hearing about it I've uh, I've I've used it um, once or twice but uh, yeah I think it could take off yeah we need to we need to get on that. I feel like we're a good good crew. I feel the, like we. The could... problem is it's is like with with that sort of thing is um they they because you you like you watch football and like you get like you get like fan commentary, but you can never turn it on like during the match. They're like it's it's a it's a little spectacle for like you know the meme show like mm, the next day. It's yeah. like look at the fan commentary. Look at how they reacted. I'm like no, but I want to see the whole match for this. Yeah. Oh, they. Oh, so. Because I want to see like the really partisan takes on like everything. Yeah, because it's but, crazy. Yeah. Just see. Yeah, cause it's like a reaction uh, video, right? At, at a certain point, you just see how people react to it. Because especially like I mean, I don't know. You could try it with one because you got you got a lot of people there, with really shit haircuts. <laughs> yeah. That's like, true. And you could just have a whole match. Like, I was like, I remember like one match like, I tried you you like sometimes you don't know who the fighters are. So you try and like write something to differentiate between them. So my one comes out, I was like, all right, he's got a really shit mullet. <laughs> yeah. And the next one comes the out, Filipino he's got fighters. an even shitter mullet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And there's actually a market for it. I mean, when we did the... We got views. When we did the live 1X podcast, we had like 3.5K views just oh, on God. us sitting here. We're literally just wasted watching the fights. Talking Not That's talking about the all fights. all we did. That was the only thing that we did. I literally couldn't believe it. We, had the, we got into the conversation with this dude who was watching us from Canada who was just... We were doing a game where someone would type drink into the chat and then we would just sit here and then be drinking. By the end, we were... We weren't even making sense, it's, and people uh, liked it. So get a Patreon going for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see me get. No, I'll just end up. I don't need any more motivation to get drunk. Okay, that's the last thing that I need is to make it financially viable for me to get drunk <laughs> online. Uh, all right, dude. All right, let's Thanks. let's wrap Thanks this thing up. Uh, David, we thank you for coming, man. This is this is uh, overdue. Let's do it again. Yeah, for sure. Really, really fun. Jake, thank you. 
doing all the hard work. I gave you everybody. Fun. This is the Stronghold Podcast. This is episode sixty-nine. And don't you forget it. Give it to us, David. Give us the clap. Wait, no. Hold on. Outro first. Outro then the clap. Ah, Aww. see, been doing it a while now. I know what's up. Now you can go.